We will build a great wall along the southern border. And Mexico will pay for the wall. 100%. Campaign rhetoric aside, when President Trump released his first budget proposal earlier this month, it said that, at least for now, the wall is on the taxpayer's dime. The proposal asked Congress for more than $2 billion to plan, design, and begin construction. But convincing fiscal conservatives in Congress to pony up could be an insurmountable obstacle. I'm Sean Zeller, and this is CQ Roll Call's Week Ahead podcast. I'm here with Dean DeCero and Gopal Rotnam, who cover immigration and border security for CQ. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, Gopal, uh, where are things with the wall right now? I hear they've begun soliciting designs for the project. That's right. Um, the Customs and Border Protection has uh, issued solicitations um, asking for designs for both a concrete wall and a non-concrete wall. And they have said it needs to be between 18 and 30 feet high and aesthetic on the side that faces the United States. And so they have a whole bunch of other uh, requirements, but that process has begun. And they expect to have a bunch of uh, companies shortlisted uh, in the next couple of weeks. And as many as 700 companies have responded say, expressing an interest in the, in the project. And so the wall won't be exactly the same throughout its full length. There will be different parts that are cement and other parts that are uh, less sturdy? It uh, appears that way. First of all, we don't know the extent of, uh, you know, if they're going to build a wall along the entire 2,000-mile border because there are some parts of the border that are, you, you cannot build anything. And so it's not clear what parts of the uh, border will have some kind of barrier. So, but based on the solicitation, it appears that there could be a concrete version of a wall in some places and a non-concrete, we don't know what that is, metal, aluminum, gates and fences in other parts of the border. So, right, during the Bush administration, they did construct some wall in places where it was easy to build a wall. What's left, from what I understand, is often mountainous area, desert, very in, inhospitable to construction sites. From what I gather, so there is a couple of numbers. The GAO, the Government Accountability Office, says there's about 600 miles of uh, barrier. Uh, but when last week I was speaking with uh, the president of uh, the Border Patrol Council, and he said the actual fencing is only about 350 miles, which is called the primary fencing. And then there is a backup secondary fence, which is for another 300 miles. So together, they constitute about 600 miles. That's the way I think uh, people understand it. So what happened to Mexico paying for this? Well, at, at this point, Mexico has flat out said they will not pay for it. Uh, several of their leaders, have, uh, uh, former leaders, have gone on Twitter and said they, they, they will not pay for it. And so it looks at the moment that the American taxpayer will be the one who's footing the bill for now. Wasn't there some plan, though, Trump had to extract money from Mexico, taxing remittances from Mexicans living in the United States back home or something along those lines? We don't know. that. That's, that's still campaign talk, and uh, we haven't seen any kind of uh, legislation or uh, executive action that would um, actually turn that kind of a campaign promise into a reality. And it's possible still if when we see a tax reform proposal from this administration and from Congress, maybe there might be some elements of a tax on goods that are coming across the border from Mexico. Okay, now fiscal conservatives in Congress who run the show right now are pretty reluctant to take on new spending without paying for it elsewhere. 
what's the dynamic on Capitol Hill so far as this $2 billion proposal goes? Well, um, the broader budget proposal, which uh, boosts spending for the Pentagon and defense and also homeland security, is largely being met by cuts to a variety of uh, foreign aid and domestic uh, spending programs. And even fiscal conservatives have objected to the kind of cuts that the administration is proposing, especially in foreign aid and programs that uh, you know provide um, uh, monetary assistance to um, economically weak uh, counties across the country. So it remains to be seen whether these proposals that take money from some aspects of the current budget and put it into Homeland Security and Defense will actually get through Congress. What can Trump do absent new spending authority? I don't believe, at least the, the first phase of this solicitation for this wall, um, it, it mentions it as a $300 million project for the concrete wall and another $300 million for the non-concrete wall. And my understanding now is both of those spending will have to be appropriated. I don't think there is money in the Homeland Security budget at the moment that they can just simply take and use it. Even to do that, they would need congressional approval to uh, repurpose fun funding from one program to another. All right. Dean, um, you wrote a story for CQ magazine about some of the complexities of building a wall in this on our border, uh, one of which is that a lot of the land is private. It's owned by private landowners. And the budget proposal, the Trump budget proposal, calls for hiring lawyers to litigate eminent domain cases. How complex could this get, Dean? Well, it can get very complex. And during the Bush administration, when uh, after the uh, passage of the 2006 Secure Fence Act, there were some something around uh, 300 lawsuits uh, that were undertaken by the Homeland Security Department to seize land from homeowners in Texas. Uh, and the reason that most of these are centered on Texas is because in Arizona and New Mexico, most of the border is on federal land, uh, whereas Texas is predominantly uh, privately owned. Trump's budget calls for money for 20 lawyers to handle eminent domain cases. Whether or not that is a sufficient number to do the type of uh, eminent domain cases that they need remains to be seen. Um, but my understanding of what happened uh, in the late 2000s is that uh, these cases uh, really dragged out for a long time. When they went after private land in the past during the Bush administration, the landowners fought it pretty hard. Yeah, there were uh, there were court battles that went on for quite a while. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, the, 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 the way that eminent domain works is that ultimately – uh, in most of those cases, the Homeland Security Department uh, did get what it wanted, um, and that's likely to happen again. It just could muck up Trump's uh, schedule for getting this done. And a funny thing with eminent domain, of course, is that conservatives tend to look down on the government seizing private property. Is there been any outcry about this from members of the Texas delegation? The Texas delegation, especially Republicans, have sort of towed the line on uh, the border wall so far, which is um, interesting because there are also some of those who are concerned about illegal immigration. Uh, Will Hurd, for instance, who's a, a Republican whose district is on the border, has called this the most expensive, least efficient way to stop illegal immigration. The budget proposal, Dean, it also calls for a big increase in immigration enforcement in the interior. And that's part of Trump's promise to start deporting undocumented immigrants who've committed crimes. He wants to deport a lot of those people. And, and that's begun, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of taken, taking shape currently. Uh, there were two executive orders signed on January 25th, one dealing with the border, one dealing with interior enforcement. 
That was followed up by uh, a week of uh, pretty high-profile raids in urban centers around the country. While DHS says that those raids had been planned for uh, quite a while prior to Trump taking office, there's no question that when they presented the results of those raids, they were highlighting the arrests of people with prior convictions or existing orders of deportation. Have there been any raids at workplaces? I think that in the first in that first set of raids, there was a man who was arrested at his place of work. In terms of uh, workplace violations, uh, we have not seen uh, reports of that. There have been sporadic reports of immigration actions at courthouses and uh, a church in Maryland. There is seems to be some sort of a shift towards uh, harsher enforcement that uh, the previous administration did not undertake. Now, another big thing is uh, what's happening with the so-called dreamers. These were young adults brought to the United States as children, undocumented. President Barack Obama uh, set up a policy of leniency for people in that situation. And a big question with Trump's election was what he was going to do about the dreamers, people who had provided their information to the government to take advantage of Obama's promise of leniency. Uh, So what is Trump doing? Uh, So far, not much. The program in question is the DACA program. It's uh, a program that conservatives have derided as uh, an illegal program and overreach by the executive. Trump ran on a campaign promise to repeal the uh, program. And uh, while he's taken steps to uh, fulfill other campaign promises on immigration, the wall, deportations, and whatnot, the DACA order remains in place. And uh, the Homeland Security Department last I checked, is still processing uh, renewal requests and uh, benefits for uh, these dreamers. Um, And part of that comes from, uh, I think, uh, some reluctance by Republicans to go after these young people who have been, for the most part, educated in U.S. schools. Uh, A common refrain is that they are American in all but nationality. So... One of the other uh, parts of Trump's budget proposal was to increase the amount of detention space to hold undocumented immigrants who are caught. And he, Trump has derided the Obama administration's so-called catch-and-release policy, where they would uh, allow immigrants to go out, you know, not be held during, while they were awaiting a hearing on their uh, case. So what's the status there? I mean, what, have they gotten rid of catch-and-release, and where are they putting all these immigrants? So the, um, when we spoke, Dean and I spoke last week with the uh, president of the Border Patrol Council, um, Brendan, uh, Brendan Judd, he said that the catch and release program has been ended, and it was one of the direct effects of uh, Trump's executive order on border security. And so what that means is anyone coming across the border illegally, irrespective of whether they have criminal backgrounds or not, will be arrested and sent to um, the detention centers. That seems to be the current policy. And so to your broader question, that could potentially increase the swell, the size of uh, the need for detention beds across the country. And, yeah. Not, yeah, and, not, ahead, o- and not only detention beds for uh, Customs and Border Protection, but also for ICE. ICE being the agency Im- which enforces immigration and carries out interior. deportations. A lot of the folks who come across the border, they're held in CBP detention uh, temporarily. And if catch and release has truly ended, that means they would be... Uh, handed over to ICE until they are uh, either deported or appearing in immigration court. So Trump has also made a big deal about so-called sanctuary cities. These are uh, 
cities that have decided to not allow their local law enforcement to cooperate with federal immigration authorities. And the theory being that that kind of cooperation would reduce cooperation from Hispanic citizens. They wouldn't report crimes and the like. And so Trump wants to end that. He wants to end the sanctuary cities. And what's happening on that score, Dean? Again, in those executive orders, there's a a directive to crack down on sanctuary cities by uh, pulling certain funding. Whether or not Trump can follow through on that remains to be seen. It's a, something that would likely be challenged in court. Local mayors uh, who are in sanctuary cities uh, are now sort of drawing the line in the sand saying, you know, if Trump tries to take our money and turn our police into local deportation officers, uh, we would take him to court over that. So, guys, I'd like some handicapping from you. Uh, the, Trump wants $2 billion for the wall, which is just a down payment, you know, estimated at... Uh, 15, 20 billion. And so what's your thinking on whether Congress comes up with any of this money? Well, I would say that, um, uh, I mean, it really depends on, you know, the broader set of things that are going to happen in terms of the tax reform. Like we, ta- like we talked about, if there is a proposal that will extract some kind of um, tax dollars from Mexico for the border goods, that could be one way of paying it. We don't know yet. So I think a lot of that will determine if all of that 20 billion will be coming out of uh, the American taxpayers' pockets, or there could be other sources of funding for this. And I think that, to some extent, will determine how much of this wall gets built. Some of the people that I'm talking to are saying that even if he builds just a section of a a wall, he can call that a victory and move on to the more stricter aspects of immigration inside the country. So that could be one way uh, this whole campaign promise gets met. He's not going to build a 2,000-mile border wall, but he could build it in a few key sections, which is what the Border Patrol Council itself wants. And then they could say, yeah, we've done it. We've kept the promise. We closed the gap here. We're now going to enforce immigration inside the country. So right. that could the be Border one Patrol way Council being the union for the Border Patrol agents. And nevertheless, all of that, you know, be as it may, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell have, in the meantime, both said that they are committed to getting Trump the money that he needs to build this wall. All right, we'll see. We'll have you guys back when the appropriations process gets moving. Thanks for coming on. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.